0: Following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. Good morning church. It's great to be here worshiping Jesus with you and how passionately you are worshiping this morning is wonderful. Well, as you know, this morning, we're going to be thanking the Barron family. Great to see you guys. And Jeff and Sarah are back as well, which is great. Wonderful to see you. We're not thanking them. We've already done that. (laughs) But we are going to do that. But before we do that, we're going to come around God's Word um, this morning. So let me pray, and uh, we will do that. Father, we thank you because you are an awesome God. You are worthy of all the praise, the glory, the honor that we can give you. And Lord, we thank you because you are here with us. Uh, And Lord, you make your presence known by your spirit. And Lord, as we come around your word, you open our hearts to receive your word. And so we ask you to do that this morning, that you'll open our ears to hear what you're saying. And uh, Lord, that you'll open our hearts to yield to your word and your will. And Lord, that we will live here changed and transformed by your spirit because we've bowed the knee before Jesus. And Lord, we've received your word to equip and encourage and inspire us this morning. Help me to communicate this message and be with us uh, as we come around it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. For those of you who are visiting and joining us online for the first time, we've been working our way through a series looking at the promises of Jesus. And I trust that this is just stirring faith in your heart. Uh, as Chris Smith reminded us last week, these are things that we can go to the bank on, that we can absolutely count on and rely on and trust on, uh, because God said that He will not lie. Hebrews says that, that though man might lie, God is not a liar. God will remain true and faithful to His Word. And we've looked at the truth And the promise that Jesus is coming again. What an encouraging, uh, empowering truth that is. And we've looked at the gift of the Holy Spirit, that Jesus will give us the Holy Spirit. If we seek and if we ask for it, it's a good gift that that God wants to give us. Uh, We looked last week that we don't have to worry because our Father will provide and care for and look after us. And so this morning, I'm excited to be sharing with you on another promise that Jesus made. And it's found in John chapter 14. And if you want to turn in your Bibles there, we're going to just look at a couple of verses this morning. John chapter 14, verses 12 to 14. And it says this, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these Because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name. So I'm cheating here. There's two promises in here, actually. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. So the promise that we're gonna look at this morning is greater things, greater things. And let me be honest. This is probably one of the most misunderstood promises that Jesus made. So I hope that this morning we can clarify some things. You know, when our kids were little, any parent foolishly makes promises to your kids, you know, we'll go to the beach on Saturday or we'll take you to the park or we'll give you that for Christmas or whatever it is. And I remember the number of times when for some reason we couldn't come good on it, for legitimate reasons. And our kids would say, but you said, you said, and then I'd have to go, but yeah, but that's not what I meant, you know. I said we would do, but I need to clarify exactly what I meant when I said that. And sometimes we we do that with Jesus. We come to God's word and we kind of hold God ransom and say, God, God, but you said. And God's looking and going, but that's not what I meant. That's completely not what I meant. And so we need to be careful when we kind of think about these promises and we hold them up before God and go, God, you promised. And God goes, no, I never promised you that. That's just something you cooked up in your own head. So we want to understand here what Jesus is saying. And and I want to say to you that when we correctly get what Jesus is saying, it's awesome. It's so exciting. It's inspiring. It's challenging. But it's inspiring, particularly in light of the stuff that we've been talking about. Let's be open to the Holy Spirit. We've been saying we want to be hungry for God. We want to be hungry for more of the Holy Spirit in our life. And this is a great promise on the back of all of that. So let's begin. In verse 12, we see Jesus saying very truly. So this is, this is an Aramaic expression that Jesus often used, which is sometimes interpreted verily, verily, or very truly, or truly, truly. Different translations say it differently. Basically, it just means Jesus saying, what I'm about to say is really, really important. It's solemn. This is kind of promised language here. So we know we're in the right territory because this is Jesus saying, what I'm about to say, you can go to the bank on. It's kind of like how when we put things in all caps, when we send emails, or bold, or lots of exclamation marks at the end of something. That's what Jesus is doing here, right? He's texting us in uppercase. I tell you truly, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things. So that's the promise. They they will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than this. What, What is Jesus talking about here? Well, let's break it down. What are the works Jesus is talking about? Some people kind of went, think about it as being just miracles. It's, it's about all the supernatural, miraculous things that Jesus did. And then there are others who kind of went, no, Jesus, well, it doesn't really do miracles today. It's more about the loving things that Jesus did, serving people, caring for people. You know, it's that is the work that Jesus is talking about. Well, I want to say, why choose between the two? I don't think Jesus is saying, do this and not this, or focus on this and not the other. The, the context makes it really, really clear. If we jump a few verses ahead, Jesus says, The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his, his work. Verse 11, Believe in me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Uh, it, it's quite clear that Jesus is talking about supernatural things. His miraculous things. And throughout John, whenever John uses the word works or signs, he's talking about supernatural things that Jesus did that people are going, how on, like a man born blind receiving sight was unheard of, unthought of. And Jesus does it as a sign. And so Jesus is certainly thinking about supernatural works he's doing. Absolutely. Without a doubt, that's what Jesus means here. But I wonder if Jesus is also thinking about more than just that. See, sometimes in the Pentecostal stream, we want to focus on the spectacular things. We want to focus on the supernatural things. We want to get excited about the mighty displays of power. And we ought to, because we believe in that. And we want to pray for that and absolutely seek that. But we also don't want to neglect other things as somehow being inferior or lesser. Because in John chapter 13, which is just in the previous chapter, Jesus talks about washing feet as a work that we're also supposed to do. Because he says this, now that I, your Lord and teacher, verse 14 of chapter 13, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And Jesus in Matthew, at the end of the gospel, he says, when you give a cup of water, when you visit the lonely, when you go and visit someone in prison or in hospital or you feed the hungry, when you do that in my name, you're doing it for me. And that's how you separate between the, la- the sheep and the goats, those who did them and those who didn't. So even those acts of kindness, those works of serving others, of loving others, of restoring broken people, of caring for widows and orphans, of going after the lost sheep, of teaching the word of God to people, of doing all those things, want to say ordinary, mundane, everyday things, I think Jesus also has in view here. It's not just one or the other. I think Jesus is talking about us doing all the things that Jesus did, being like Jesus, continuing the work and the ministry of Jesus in the world today. I think that's what Jesus has in mind. So when we think about works He's saying, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. So far, that's not that controversial. It's the next bit. And they will do even greater things than these. Greater things. What does Jesus mean here? Well, again, I think there's several options. And you can pick whichever. I'll tell you what I think it means. The one option is to say, all right, Jesus, you did some pretty cool stuff, turning water into wine, walked on water, calmed the storm. Yeah, but... Yeah, this promise is that I'm going to do more than that. I'm, I'm going to fly. I'm going to, you know, like, I don't know, whatever you can imagine. Like, you raised Lazarus, I'm going to raise a whole village from, you know, I, I don't know. That's how some people interpret it, that we will do more spectacular miracles, more amazing miracles, more supernatural miracles. I... I I'm not convinced that that's really what Jesus means. And to be honest, you know, when I look at the context that's here and the broader narrative of John 13 and onwards, I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. Because in John 13, the passage we just looked at, Jesus kind of says that we're not really greater than him. Very truly, verse 16, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. I mean, let's be honest, Jesus was the goat, right? He was the greatest of all time. Like, really? Like, do we really think we're going to be greater than Jesus? We would do more than Jesus? That, I don't know. I mean, if you want to believe that, I'll leave that with you. I just don't think the biblical evidence points in that direction. And every commentator I I looked up, and I looked up several, none of them actually interpret Jesus' statement here as being, you will do more spectacular miracles than Jesus. You're going to be greater than Jesus. You're going to be better than the greatest of all time in the miracles that you do. I, I just don't see it that way. The other interpretation is to go, well, what Jesus meant not is that greater in quality of miracles, but greater in quantity, because there's lots more of us that It will be greater in scope, greater in the impact that we will have, and that we will together will do greater because we will go out further than Jesus ever went, that we will accomplish more in the sense of being uh, in many, many different places, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, and actively serving God wherever God has placed us. And uh, again, as I come to the biblical material, I think that there's a lot to be said for this view. And I think about Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 and 7 and 8, where Jesus says this, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits to heal every disease. So that's the works we've been talking about. As you go, proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven has come near, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons freely you've received, freely give. So I can see that, that Jesus is entrusting that responsibility to continue his work in the world to his 12 disciples. And then we get to the end of Matthew 28 and Jesus says, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now you go and you do the work that I've been doing. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus does something very similar but to a bigger group of people, not just the 12. And it says this, after this, so this is to the 72. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. And he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So Jesus is about sending people out in the power of the Spirit to do the same kinds of stuff that he was doing. So I think there's a lot of merit for that argument. And when we come to the book of Acts, we see the fulfillment of this promise because the disciples do go out in the power of the Spirit and are multiplied all over Palestine and take the gospel to the ends of the earth. So I think there's a lot of merit to that. But I wonder if there's more. I wonder if Jesus is saying something more than that that I think is just as powerful for us to grab a hold of. And I want to suggest to you that maybe Jesus also has in mind, not just greater in terms of quantity than us going out, but greater in terms of clarity and effectiveness. What do I mean by that? Well, again, we go back to the Bible. When, you, when you're trying to understand and interpret the Bible, always go to the context and try and make sense from the context. So we've just read in verse 11 that Jesus is talking about believing on the evidence of the works themselves. And then if you jump back to chapter 12, verse 37, there's something interesting that John tells us. He says, even after Jesus has performed so many signs, so many works, so many miracles in their presence, they still would not believe in him. And we see that throughout John's gospel, that Jesus is doing these signs, he's doing these spectacular, supernatural, incredible, amazing miracles, and people just don't get it. They don't understand. In fact, in John 14, Jesus is talking to his disciples who are still trying to figure out who Jesus really is. Who are trying to understand what the kingdom of God coming to earth looks like and what that is meant to be. And and Jesus is having to say to them, believe on the evidence of the works that, that I've been doing to his disciples. And then Jesus, so that's one clue for us. That even though Jesus was doing these spectacular, supernatural things, people didn't see Jesus for who he really was. It, didn't, it, didn't, it wasn't effective in giving them a revelation of the authority and the power of the Son of God. And then the second clue is Jesus, in the very statement we're looking at, I, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. That's the reason we will do greater things. Now think about that. So is Jesus saying, okay, Because I'm going to the Father, you guys are going to be even more amazing than I was. How does that work? How do we make sense of that? What does his going to the Father have anything to do with us being greater? Or if we take the second interpretation, it's not like Jesus saying, okay, guys, I'm going to the Father. So now there's plenty of room for you guys. You go for it. I've been standing in your way. I've been restricting you. I've been limiting all the things that you can do. But I'm now going to get out of the way because I'm going to go to the Father. Now you guys go for it could be but I think that's the key because I'm going to the father what does that mean well we know when Jesus talked about going to the father he meant I was going to finish the work on the cross I'm going to go to the cross I'm going to die I'm going to be resurrected and then I'm going to be glorified I'm going to sit at the right hand of the father and we know from the rest of this narrative that that was the precursor for the coming of the Holy Spirit I think that's what Jesus is saying. Here. Your work is going to be more powerful, more effective, more clear than even mine because I'm going to usher in the kingdom of God that hasn't been ushered in in completeness yet because I haven't gone to the cross yet. But when I go to the cross and when I die and when I'm resurrected and when I sit enthroned and pour out the Holy Spirit, something is radically going to shift in the world. Something is going to change that hasn't happened yet. There's going to be an openness and an ushering in of the kingdom of God in a way that you and I have never experienced or back then before the, the going to the cross and the coming of the Spirit. I think that's what Jesus is saying. Here, that when you do stuff in the name of Jesus... It will be more effective in pointing people to the lordship of Christ. In pointing people to the coming of the kingdom. That the kingdom of God has come in power. There will be an openness in people's hearts and minds that wasn't there then. How do I know that? Well, John 16, Jesus, after he's shared many other things, he says this. Verse 7. Truly I tell you. Again, same language. Verily, verily, truly, truly. It is, it is for your good that I'm going away. Because unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. So it's coming of the Holy Spirit. But if I go, I will send him to you. And listen to this. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father. The same statement. Where you can see me no longer and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. You see, when Jesus died and rose again, something shifted in the spiritual environment. Something moved in the spirit realm. And that's why Paul can say, we don't fix our eyes on what we see. We fix our eyes on the unseen, supernatural, eternal realm because on the other side of the cross, it's a game changer. And that is why Jesus can say, what you do when you pray for someone And they're healed. What you do when you do an act of kindness, when you wash somebody's feet, what you do will have greater impact, greater clarity. People will see the glory of the Son of God because the Holy Spirit will be at work in them like He wasn't back here. That's so encouraging for us because when we come to the book of Acts, that's what we see. We see people who are afraid, who were timid, who were confused right here, who didn't get it, who didn't understand, who didn't really see Jesus for who he was. Something has shifted now. They've experienced the risen Christ. They've been filled with the Holy Spirit and they're going out and Peter in his first sermon sees 3,000 people come to faith. That is the fulfillment. That is why it's greater. That's the greater work. 3,000 people with one sermon, no miracle preached, one sermon, and people go, we get it. Jesus is Lord. We wanna repent. What do we need to do? Yes, repent and believe, and they do. That is the season. That is the era of the church that we're a part of. How exciting that we get to be a part of God's work in the world that is greater because the Holy Spirit has changed everything. And so then we come to this second promise. The foundation of this promise is Jesus saying, it's whoever believes in me. Whoever believes in me. And often people omit the in me. They say, whoever believes can do greater things than Jesus. But it's whoever believes in me. Here, And for John, throughout the gospel, faith and believing language is not in an outcome. It's not, I really believe God's going to heal this person. So I'm going to pray. And that's what brings about the miracle. John is saying, and Jesus is saying, that whoever believes in me. And for John, it's about trusting Jesus. That's what faith means. That's what believing in Jesus means. It's about surrender. It's about seeing Jesus for who he really is. It's taking Jesus at his word. It's about trusting that Jesus is still about the Father's work. That's what it means here. It's to say that Jesus still is who he says he is. The same yesterday, today, forever. Jesus still does miracles. Jesus still heals. Jesus still releases people from demonic oppression. Jesus still can heal cancer. It's the same Jesus. And also trusting that Jesus loves people more than you and I ever will. That Jesus wants them to come to the Father more than you and I ever will. That Jesus wants to display the glory of the Father more than you and I ever will. That's what it means to believe that Jesus is about what Jesus is about. Which is why he says in verse 13, And I will do whatever you ask in my name. This is not a formula of how to get what you want as long as we tack on in Jesus' name at the end of our prayers, that that's going to guarantee that we'll get it. Again, notice what he says. I will do whatever you ask in my name. Why? So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. That's Jesus' agenda always, to glorify the Father. And to, to believe in Jesus means that Jesus is still about that. Jesus still wants that to glorify the Father. So when your your prayer is about Jesus, will you glorify the Father in this situation? Jesus was like, yeah, because that is gonna bring glory to the Father. So can we pray, God, will you save my friend, my family member? Yes, because Jesus wants that. Can we pray, Jesus, will you build your church? Yes, because Jesus said, I will build my church. Can we pray things aligned with scripture that we know are God's heart? Can you bring that wayward person back to faith? Absolutely. Those are the things that will glorify the Father because it reveals the work of God in their heart. And notice what Jesus said. You may ask for anything in my name and I will do it. So at the end of the day, we find the greater things that we're doing are not really us doing anything anyway. It's actually Jesus it's Jesus doing it. And it's as we pray, Jesus, will you, will you glorify the Father through me? And he says, yeah, I'll do that. And that's why Luke in, in Acts chapter 1 can say, Theophilus, I wrote to you in, the, in my earlier gospel, Luke, the things that Jesus began to teach and do. And what, what Luke is implying is that now I'm writing the book of Acts to show you what Jesus continued to teach and do Through his people. It's Jesus at work in you. Jesus at work in me. Jesus doing supernatural things and ordinary things as you serve people, as you wash their feet to bring glory to the Father. Last thought. Jesus often talked about him going to the cross as his greatest work, as the thing that would glorify the Father the most. It wasn't any miracle. It was him going to the cross. And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that ought to tell you something. That, you know, as much as he loved healing people and touching people and, and restoring lepers, his heart, more than anything else, is for you to know the Father. It was for you to believe in him. And that means trusting in him, receiving forgiveness from him, being brought into his family. And if you haven't done that, I encourage you, put your faith in Jesus, talk to a leader, talk to me, contact the church, and we would love to tell you about the forgiveness that God offers you because Jesus went to the cross to do the greatest work that he ever did, which is to lay his life down as a demonstration of his love for you, to reconcile you to the Father. But the thought for us as Christians is as we think about doing greater things than Jesus did, perhaps that greater thing might be for you to lay down your life. For me to lay down my life in serving others, in caring for others, in going out of our comfort zone. It, it may mean metaphorically laying down your life, or it may mean literally laying down your life for others. So when you pray this, Jesus, you promise that I would do greater things than you. Maybe it might be, yeah, okay. And that might mean laying down your life just like he did. But I want to tell you, it's so incredible to think that the God of the universe is continuing to advance his kingdom. The mustard seed, the leaven that continues to grow and grow and grow and fill the earth through you and through me. Through our little church, through all the churches throughout Parramatta and in the world. What an incredible thing. And we see the gospel going out to the nations. We see the kingdom of God advancing all around us through ordinary men and women, young people, children older people, as we just surrender and say, Jesus, will you have your way in me? Like Isaiah, here I am, Lord, send me. Will you use me? Will you use me to do the works that will point people to the love of the Father, that will reveal the glory of the Son, that will help people come to know and understand who you really are, that will bring people into the family of God. God, will you use me to do the works of the kingdom? I pray that your answer, like mine, in all of your frailty, all of your inadequacy, all of your insufficiency, all of your fear is, yes, Lord, use me. Why don't you bow your head? Thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. Holy Spirit, I just invite you to come. To bring your conviction, to bring your challenge, to bring your truth alive in people's hearts. Father, I pray that this message won't just be something that we hear today and is gone tomorrow. Father, maybe there are people here that you're calling into ministry. Maybe there are people here that you're sending into their workplaces with a different perspective about their jobs. Maybe there are people here who you might be stirring to go on to the mission field. Maybe there's people here that you're stirring to pray for a loved one or a friend who's sick and believe that you want to use them in powerful ways. Maybe there are people here who are feeling stirred in their heart to be a witness, to share their testimony with someone and to believe for the power of God to be there in that moment that the Holy Spirit will be able to enlighten and reveal Jesus to that person. Father, wherever we're at, will you use us? We thank you for this promise, Lord, that you will do greater things in and through us. Lord, that Jesus, you will build your church, that you will bring people to a knowledge of the truth, that you are continuing your work that you began in and through us. And I pray that, Lord, we will stand firm on this promise, that, Lord, if when we pray in your name and we desire and seek the glory of the Father, you will do it. You will do it. Or it might not be how and when and the way that we would want you to do it, but you will do do it. And so we pray Father, will you stir our hearts to pray for the lost? Will you stir our hearts to give, to go, to, to step out of our comfort zone? Will you stir our hearts by your Holy Spirit to do things Lord that we've never done before because we're being obedient to the prompting of your Spirit to step out and be used by you to advance your kingdom and bring glory to the Father. In Jesus' name.